this month on Trek Mary Kill, Crystals! Yawn! Koala! Next. Trek Mary Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Katie. Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a podcast studying Star Trek so much that it literally becomes Star Trek. This month, we continue our animation spotlight on Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, we're going to do two episodes again, like we've been doing. And and joining me again is the wonderful Katie Hampton. Katie, hello again. Hello again. It's good to talk to you again, Brian. It feels like only a couple of days ago that we recorded, but it's been <laughs> it a does. month between episodes, so I don't... <laughs> you know, and it, it's been quite the crazy month. Uh, obviously, we both got Academy Awards for this podcast. That's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it, they say it's an honor to be nominated, and it's true. It's just, just yeah. to be in that. Yep. It's also an honor to win. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Temporal Edict and Moist Vessel are the two we're discussing this month. Uh, Temporal Edict w- debuted on Paramount Plus August 20th, 2020. Written by Dave Elenfield and David Wright. Are we going to say Elenfield? I, Man, I, I saw that and I was like, I don't know how to pronounce it. Islandfield? That. Dave Islandfield doesn't, the H after the I. It's confusing. Me it feels yeah. almost, I don't know, Nordic. <laughs> so Dave, let's just say Dave Island, Illenfield and David Wright, who is not, as far as I can tell, the third baseman of the New York Mets from <laughs> earlier the century. Uh, directed by Bob Suarez. Memory Alpha describes it, a new work protocol eliminating buffer time has the Cerritos crew running ragged as they try to keep up with their Titan schedules. Meanwhile, uh, Ensign Mariner and Commander Ransom's mutual lack of respect comes to a head during an away mission uh, mm. where they go to a planet that worships crystals. And, yes. <laughs> and not the block of wood. <laughs> That's right. They accidentally brought with them the their enemies. uh favorite symbol the wood so it's just (laughs) comedy ensues uh do you remember the first time you saw this episode any feeling carryover from this one absolutely so this was this came out in 2020 and i was at the height of working for a company that was very very micromanaging even though we were all remote so this one hit home like this whole (laughs) episode i was like Oh, the micromanagement. It's just so beautifully done. And it's like, yeah, we've all worked in that stupid job where people have been like, wait, you lie about how long it takes to do things? Yeah, because we all want, you know, a little bit of like pastime so that we're not going crazy doing everything at once. And this is the entire episode. (laughs) If you're just listening to us, you didn't watch the episode. The conceit is that the captain, Captain Freeman, who I have many questions about that I will just throw at you later on. uh, She gets wise to the fact that the lower deckers have been padding all their work time as katie mentioned uh and they and the lower deckers call it buffer time and this is like part of the ship's culture i'm sure it's like a a starfleet thing across all the different ships uh but because she gets passed over for this prestigious event with uh, involving the cardassians um she decides well i gotta crack the whip and make this crew uh more efficient and work harder so Mm -hmm. she basically eliminates buffer time yeah, I have work where it's like you have a task list that you have to do. That task uh-huh. list gets every day refreshed of like how how many did you do? What's your status? How many are you behind Ugh. on? Uh, there, you know, you're clicking success constantly. 
and that alerts oh, like, it's, like, a, like central... it's a game. <laughs> well, it's like you're doing the task and the task is not just a simple spreadsheet, but you know, you're having to read and evaluate and, you know, so you're putting your, you're doing like evaluative work and then you're summarizing and then you're, you're looking at the old task that might've been beyond summary, making okay. phone calls. Do you want, it's like, it's, it's all convoluted, but it's also like, yeah. it could take anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour and a half to do one task. But if you need to get your task list done, you know, it's like, yeah. we've all had these jobs. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of people have had these jobs. Have you ever had the boss though? This is the funny, this to me is what this episode reminded me of. I've had a job in the past where like the, the old boss left, the one who hired me left and the new boss came in Oh no! and kept everybody. But one of the things that they were very keen on was like, I'm not like the old boss. Oh, <laughs> and like one of the things I, they're like, they were like the old boss was a micromanager and I am not a micromanager. Okay, when you, and, you, you you do as in screenwriting, you show don't tell, show don't tell. Katie, the moment I heard that, I was like, "Well, this is I'm like out. when the dealer changes tables at the at the card table. That's when you leave. It's time to get out of there." So, a very micromanaging boss ensued so, from oh, that God. statement, and uh, and it's just always funny to think about that because it's like what way to call the opposite of your shot there, uh, but but. This episode was weird. I remember at the time watching it going, and I know exactly what happened. This happened with um, Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds. I'm one of those uh, check Paramount Plus at, at 1045, 1030 p.m. people the night before, okay. like, you know, it's supposed okay. to come out on Friday or Thursday or Friday. So I'm up to like midnight Seeing waiting for them to come East out. East Coast feed. Yeah. yeah. And then just when they come out and then I'll watch it. And nice. I think this is one where I, I was there. And I fell asleep five minutes after it started, like soon no. after it started. Or I was like, because what ultimately winds up happening is most of the time I'm like so excited on adrenaline waiting just to stay up that I get tired by the time it actually comes on and I fall asleep. Um, now that wasn't pulled all, all nighters or anything, did you? What me? You never. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm constant. Oh, sorry. Hold. Yes, we don't know each other that well, but I'm constantly no. pulling all nighters. It just happens oh, yeah. that with Star Trek, I get so excited early enough in the day that it actually burns me out <laughs> by the time. <laughs> the like, emotional excitement really taxes you, so that you have to take a nap. <laughs> yes, and what like with Picard, what was happening for seasons one and three not for season two, uh, season two. I was like, I'm wise to you after season one, but like <laughs> I would get so excited and then stay up and I, I couldn't sleep afterward in season one. It was because I was furious in season three. It's because I was so happy. And then it would wow. back up. It would just back me up the rest of the week or until the next week. And then it would start all over again. So, uh, but lower decks. <laughs> yeah. So what I rem what I'm saying is like I remember initially watching this one and kind of fuzzing in and out of it consciousness wise, okay. and I couldn't remember. It still boggles my mind to this day that this was not the result of some sort of weird virus that Captain Freeman caught. That right. she because the way this buffer time crackdown is portrayed, it makes it it, it feels like there's something wrong. With the okay. world. <laughs> right. But also consider this. Consider your boss that was like, that came in and was sort of newer to management, I'm assuming. Because I feel like this is a very new to management 
style of managing (laughs) is when you're new to management, you come in with all these big lofty ideas and then you go overboard one way or another, uh, either trying to over impress higher ups or over impress yourself or be like the most amazing person or be the shittiest person and just like have everybody slide. Whatever it is, the pendulum swings way too far the first time people manage. And this is what I kind of felt like with Freeman with Captain Freeman which I feel like is the arc of her character and you kind of have to you have to stick with Captain Freeman a couple of times because she doesn't show her true colors until we get into stuff with her daughter but this is one of those moments where she's been denied a huge like moment this is not a second contact she's supposed to be there with the Cardassians she's supposed to be giving this like speech she's learned the language she's learned all sorts of things and then she's denied that because she as she has considered in the last couple episodes she's been saying nobody respects our ship and that's a running theme so i i get why you're saying like well, how is this not like a virus like her big reaction i think it's her really trying to prove something and going the novice managerial route i like to me that makes sense like abstractly or like as the like that concept makes sense to me as portrayed Mm. is kind of my issue of like (laughs) they all seem like they're on speed but they're all exhausted and it just seems like so the show is sacrificing any sort of reality about safety because they're all like doing unsafe things in the name of efficiency and like Mm -hmm. literally putting holes in the floor and all that stuff so it just seemed like it just seemed like the way it was visualized with how manic everyone was or like running around Got that it. it was when, like they had, it was almost like the ship had slept in a week. Right. Well, and and I think that's what it, I think there's what they were getting across. Cause doesn't it, there's like a title card that says one week later or something like that. And so uh, I thought at the time that what we would discover is part of this was something that, you know, Freeman had this idea, but some sort of virus or like weird thing happened that like plussed her, her fear, her anxiety, and somehow mm-hmm. her anxiety got passed on to the crew or something like that's where I thought the episode was going. And then when mm. it turned out, it was like, no, she's just like what you said. It's right. just managerial <laughs> pushing. I'm like, well, that's insane. This is insane. <laughs> this is just total bonkers, cuckoo, crazy town stuff. And it, it kind of brings me back to the discussion we had last week of like, is this animated Star Trek or is it a cartoon? And like the idea, the concept of the crew, like kind of manically working against, you know, buffer time or whatever, that's like a Star Trek idea, like something that caused that. But the way mm-hmm. it's portrayed just felt like a cartoon. It was just weird. But you just dragged me into my next question towards you. <laughs> yeah. Are we sure Carol Freeman is a good starship captain? She's not yet. And that is that is a fact. At this point in the series, she's not a good captain. And she's I think, super bad. <laughs> no, she's she's terrible. The entire crew is terrible. Even like Mariner is terrible. Boimler is terrible because he follows everything to a T. But like, even though he gets things done, he's not experiencing anything. He's not learning anything. And it's not until he starts to f- up more that he starts to grow. And it's the same with everybody on the ship. You know, like the more they fuck up, the more they learn, the more they grow and the more they like become a stronger crew that can actually do things. But right now there, yes, the circumstances are in fact cartoony. (laughs) I will, I will say that, but it is a cartoon Star Trek at the moment. It becomes 
like this is just just as fuel for the fire you want to start your characters off in a series that goes a long time with a place that they have a lot of room to grow and this crew has a lot of room to grow that's for sure because it's <laughs> like it calls into question the entire reality of like how do these people even get here right like, how what? did they even pass starfleet yeah exactly yeah. right like they none of them seem like you know there's just a couple there's like three things that just say this is a cartoon more than anything um mariner rocking randomly rocking her guitar that vibrates the whole ship and gets picked up oh, by the klingons that makes me cry laughing every time because of Boimler and the violin. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm let's back out of that because okay, okay. to me the the reality breaker the the this is a silly cartoon and I don't have to take the show seriously is Mariner rocking out on the guitar with the guitar. But the Star Trek thing that's just funny is the Boimler bit. Mm-hmm. That's like we how many times did an episode open with like Data performing? Right. You know what I mean? Like this <laughs> right. is this is their Bar-Baker. version of that with Boimler, exactly. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. wonderful. It's perfect. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> River yeah. dancing and a violin. What the I <laughs> I love that he was, I love that he sets that up. And I just start crying, laughing, and then like you know that Mariner is gonna fuck it up. She does. And then it causes like a rift between them and some Klingons, I think. Um yeah, some Klingons. And, and then we cut back to Mariner finishes up the song and then they berate Boimler for the They think the he's music. the one who did it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So so brilliant. I Like, that's just classic comedy. And Boimler, the soccer mom, is he's always the shill for all of the jokes. Everybody gets to dump on him. Uh, and then Mariner saying, we live on a spaceship. Come on, you live on a starship. This is... <laughs> stop stop jumping out of your reality just do the star trek stuff you can still do your jokes i don't know and then ransom says the galrakians i don't know is this brian's complaint corner i don't know but it's like if you want me to go with like star trek lower decks is star trek as much as you know deep space nine voyager whatever like you okay, also fall asleep. <laughs> well, this is me on the rewatch. I'm like, I'm, I paid. Listen to, I hung on every word in the rewatch, and that's where I'm like, I'm like, why is Mariner saying spaceship? She should say starship. And then Ransom says that the Galrakians, we just signed them into the Federation. I'm sorry, this they are a second contact mission. You are not signing species into the Federation after on your second contact. It's not how the Federation Federation is not a baseball team. <laughs> and they're just signing free agents on the global market. It's a long process, or at this least it's a little might more involved. Consider it more of a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's they're tricky. Like, hey, we got we got a couple more planets. <laughs> yeah, but that's like you know, what I mean, like that to me, that's a, a bummer when I when I think about when that gets presented to me as how Star Trek views I, their reality because it's like that's yeah, just I today. Don't think that's real. I, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like whenever they kind of try to drag a big idea that's persisted for all these years and down into something that we can manage and understand for today's world. It takes a little bit of the magic out of it. But anyway, all that said, I'm this episode, the the buffer time conceit. I just want to bring it back to something super positive. Wonderful. (laughs) Basically canonizing what Scotty did all those years with like a term instead of saying Scotty time, they said buffer time. And I, I wonder maybe that was like an earlier pitch where it was like Scotty time. Well, and you see a, a couple of themes of sort of older references to the original series in this episode specifically. Like th- this episode, there's a lot of homages that go straight back to the 
the original Did series. Any of those make it into your great moments? Yeah, oh we're in God. the grades. Look at that transition. Nice. Very smooth. <laughs> um, I have a couple for this one. Um just because there, there's so many, like, so in, in going with the theme that there are a lot of references and homages to um, the original series, there's a line from um, Mariner. She's like, what is this? What am I, Kirk? What is this, the 2260s? Um, <laughs> one of the best lines uh, when they get captured. This is the episode that I was trying to talk to you last time. And I was like, oh, wait, that's the third episode. But the fact that Ransom and Mariner are, they have to argue over who gets to fight the big monster <laughs> so excited yes <laughs> so great and that that for no reason whatsoever ransom just rips his shirt off and then he does the classic kirk double he clasps both hands together and does a punch with both hands this like the fighting style with the double hands <laughs> it's, it's actually more of a next gen fighting style the kirk one has drop kicks he looks like okay kirk. I, no, yes. it, no it, it's still a classic move. He's still doing the next gen yes. two-handed style. But then the black pants and the shirt off, that's like oh, a that's a look that's from a total... I think Charlie X. I think that's Kirk as his shirt off and he's wearing those black pants. Yes. Um uh so yeah, that that was an amazing sequence. The the whole right. <laughs> Once, I, yeah, and, and I have the note great. here, like overall, like pretty low stakes villain, but still trek because really it's just it's it's all about like okay these are the the easy villains that we're starting everything out with like these are sort well, of the yeah. like happenstance the you know they're they base their culture around crystals and geodes right. and and all that's the the adjudication geode and all that and i i mean it's fine it's it's whatever like <laughs> but i think i said this last month like it, right now what's happening with lower decks i'm discovering is like there's one storyline where i'm like Great. Star Trek makes sense. And then there's another storyline going like this is Looney Tunes. And I think <laughs> sure. this I think this one, it's like the planet stuff actually is, even though it connects then uh, with with the other storyline. I think the planet stuff, especially the Mariner and Ransom conflict, that's mm-hmm. Star Trek. And then yeah. the the buffer time is like, uh, you know, uh, men in black wearing the suit of, of the skin <laughs> of Star Trek. But inside, it's just Bugs Bunny. It, it is Bugs Bunny, especially with the full circle of Boimler getting the buffer time named after him. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> to his great shame. <laughs> to his great um, shame. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like and then also, like I was talking about before, so many amazing comedic voices lent their voices to this episode specifically, like List Sam them. Richardson. Yeah. Uh, Jess McKenna. Uh, Jess McKenna is all throughout Lower Decks, but um, I think this is one of the first times she appears officially in the series. Uh, Neil Casey is in this episode oh. as the alien leader. Um, and these are guys like, again, you watch Lower Decks, pull up IMDb. There's so many great voices. There's so many great people. I will say this, though. Uh, Paramount's not the best about updating their cast list when the episodes come out exactly. So give it a little bit of time. They'll be filled in. But um, if you're watching a brand new episode of Lower Decks, it's going to be harder to be like, wait, whose voice is that? That kind of sounds like this, but maybe it's that. Yeah. Let's just talk a, bit, a little bit more about the fighting scene. Yes. <laughs> Ransom punches the guy so hard in the stomach he throws up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Vince, 
Vindor, I think. Yeah, Vindor. <laughs> and he's like, I just do it so the other guys think I'm dumb and strong. Um, genius. And also that feels very Star Trek. Like another low stakes villain type of Star Trek where it's like, yeah. I just wanted to look cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, it's cartoony, but it was one that still fit the conflict of the moment where it was clear Mariner was not backing down. So Ransom basically stabs her in the foot so she right. can't do the fight. And oh. I think that all worked and was fine. I, you know, there, when she's showing him all the scars she got and Scottsdale, that was definitely, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a great bit. And uh, so I liked all that. Uh, yeah. But the fight sequence alone is, is great. It's just oh, great. Anytime you get your characters in an arena fighting, that's like, that's, <laughs> that is high Star Trek happening yes. there. Shirtless, no less. <laughs> Uh, and then just right back to that Boimler river dancing fiddle <laughs> fiddling scene, yeah. you know, he's written the songs and then he's got uh rep- He's like, and now for my next one, Requiem for a hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wrote to he his mom. So many, yeah. He has so many parental issues yes, and we haven't even met. He haven't really met his family at all. I don't think. And so I'm just like, Oh, that's just so much fodder <laughs> for whatever is going to happen next. Uh, best trek tropes um i obviously again the opener the the violin um thing was so incredibly hysterical um it was like the opening like an opening talent show aboard the ship yeah Yeah. that's great that's awesome like (laughs) Riker with his saxophone or something like that or like somebody reciting shakespeare you know do you remember data doing the poem um, yes data doing the poem yes (laughs) (laughs) that's right oh gosh um like that felt so next gen it made me laugh and then also like you mentioned before sort of the coliseum fight that feels so star trek especially getting sort of marooned with the guy that you're obviously in a fight with and then having to fight this alien group of people, but all works out for the greater good. So like the buffer, just to bring it back to the buffer time storyline for just a second. um, The fact that the senior officers were even being affected, even Mm -hmm. though it didn't seem like ransom was, which is a little funny, but like, that's where it made me go. This has to be a virus, right? (laughs) Because (laughs) Even the senior staff, because you brought up a good point last month where it was like, well, there's a bunch of stuff going on that we don't see because we're just seeing it from the lower deckers perspective. And Mm -hmm. so like that to me was what suggested, well, maybe there's more going on here, but there wasn't. Anyway, I just like that ransom was the only one that didn't have any bags under his eyes. That was the tell that they were overworked. (laughs) But you know why? Because he takes care of himself. He's got a he lot does. of weight that he has he, to pack up. It takes a while to get his home gym yep. out of there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I think the buffer time concept, even though it's named, it's given a name here as a, as a best Trek trope is great. Scotty, the miracle worker, which we didn't actually really find out that that's what he did until relics until next generation. Where he tells Jordy, I, yeah, well, I told Jordy says, I told the captain I'd get this done, get it to him in an hour. And then Scotty goes, How long would it really take you? you take me. He, <laughs> he goes, An hour. And he goes, Oh, you didn't tell him how long it would really take, did you? <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> And so, I think that's where I got it growing up, where I was like, oh, yeah, that's a smart idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then in Star Trek three, he has to actually Scotty actually has to break his own rule where he's like it's or it's the inverse where it's like 
Kirk, they're bringing the Enterprise back to space dock, and Kirk asks Scotty, how long will it take to get the ship up and running again? Because they want to go back to the Genesis planet. And he's like, it'll take 12 weeks, but I know you don't have 12 weeks, so I'll do it for you in three or two or something like that. So um, he can certainly do it when he needs to. Uh, Absolutely. Ransom intending to resolve the conflict with an inspirational speech. Yes. That's classic. And I love that it just gets shut down immediately. I also like that he's like doing a draft on the cave wall or on the cell wall. Right, that was right. funny. <laughs> um, Even uh, his it, little speech to Mariner at the end of just like, you know, you're not so bad. Like we, we can get along if you want to or whatever. And then the not quite Star Trek, but hilarious part is when he does the switch and he's like, but you're still going off to the brig. <laughs> you disobeyed me, even though I, <laughs> you, yeah, you I rolled your yeah, sleeves up. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's the very Riker Rose earring thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then we already mentioned this ransom fighting style. I mean, that is, that is a, there is an entire book written about Captain Kirk's fighting style. Yes. If people want to buy it. So. All right, worst Trek tropes. I'm jumping in first because it's the only one I really have. The we it. are Starfleet idea. Uh, this mm-hmm. started in Discovery. It's like their attempt to do like oorah or like we're Marines or something like that. And I just I I, I don't care for it. I, sure? I don't think it. I don't think it. It's the the lightning rod or the call to action that sure. they think it is. Kind of like how they think that that they think the go to warp catchphrase is cool. And it's not right. like, right. I think this is the same thing. So it doesn't even like, it's not even that great on a t-shirt. I mean, I guess it's a hashtag, but I don't know. It doesn't do anything yeah. for me. Any, any for you? Um, I, I would say sort of the, uh, the villain, not villain, um, you know, the, the like, Oh, this was sort of just a misunderstanding because we gave you the wrong item with the alien race. Um, so I kind of like, yeah, I mean, I was thinking of something in this space. I, I think the, we offended them is like yeah. a, is a good trope in that regard, but the way it's handled here is so stupid it, like. it's, it's a ca- it's one of those it like it hinges on a lot like to have such a big reaction it, like not only on the ship itself having no buffer time but also that has affected how they deal in their own politics and and yeah, they get him. the case you, you know I, I don't know i was like okay cool um and then you know i i realized it after we talked about um sort of like racist comments but towards alien races ransom does a line at the end where he's he was talking about like the the wooden it's shacks it, oh, it's shacks. shacks he puts his arm around him and he goes yes. yeah i don't like those dirty wood huggers yeah, those, or whatever w- those weird yeah. wood liquors or something and i was yeah. like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah. there's the, there's the casual racism that gets yeah. against aliens then it's okay but yeah, I think I, I agree. The monoculture kind of aspect of it, of like they're offended. I mean, and they go to great, like they go to a cartoonish level of a response. Like right. they they invade the ship and I guess they're, I guess the writer's way of like splitting the difference was like, well, they weren't killing anybody. They were just graffitiing the ship. You know right. what I mean? Like they were just being really aggressive, but it right. was still pretty silly. But uh, that's a good one. Any other ones? Um, No, but I just realized... Um. I have one for the greatest moments that I completely forgot. It's okay. Um, this is one of the things that made me jump up the first time I saw it and just clap when they showed Miles O'Brien in a statue 
far off in the distant future when they're talking about the Boimler effect to like a school group of kids. And then they're like, let's talk about the greatest man in Star Starfleet history. And it's Miles O'Brien. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it's so true. I feel like that was a that got like leaked or it was part of a promo or something. I remember something. seeing it out of context first before watching the episode. I could be wrong about this. And or again, I was fuzzing in and out. It true. works better in context because it, it just seemed like one of those jokes where it's like, you know, uh, this is everything. Miles O'Brien, this this not underrated, but, you know, side character. He's actually most important. Like it was the show making yeah. a statement. No, yeah. the joke is in the distant future. These things that we hope are not important are actually quite important. quite important. Yeah. A.K.A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Boimler effect. <laughs> it did not make me jump up because I told you I was on guard for any Star Trek references, but Fair. also it didn't look like him. So I was not. Oh, man. So oh, okay. didn't, so so didn't, I was like, all right, I'll take your word for it. But <laughs> so it didn't, didn't cross the threshold of your, your art yeah. respect. <laughs> Got That's it. Okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but it's always nice when O'Brien gets a nod as being very important. See, it made you jump True. off the couch. That's exactly exactly what you want. exactly. I didn't. I hadn't seen any teaser of that uh, beforehand, and so when it happened, I was very excited. You know, there was a whole episode of Star Trek: Picard season three where they were like, "We don't have a story for half the script, so we're just going to throw in a bunch of quote unquote Easter eggs that are out in plain sight, and we're going to hope that fans like that." <laughs> Which episode but are you talking about? They I go to like... Daystrom Station and there's just like, I it's Kirk's body. Episode. It's all. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Here's Moriarty. Here's like, it's all this whack. Or, yeah. And then that's also the episode where they're at the at the ship museum. And like, here's all the ships you love. And then <laughs> so, and it's all the yeah. themes for the ships. So, and, yeah. All, yep. I mean, that episode had to be about Jordy saving the day. But there's also a version where it's like, well, how are they going to get off Daystrom, Daystrom Station? Uh, Worf and Raffi and who gets who beams them out by the skin but, of their teeth if, if O'Brien had popped up there I well and that's what I was hoping I, the street. I was doing um, I believe it was Christian Blatt's uh, Star Trek podcast and I was like hoping beyond hope that Miles O'Brien would make an appearance and he never did in season three of Picard and it made me so sad because I was like come on they have to have him in this <laughs> Alas, 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 uh, and alack. <laughs> uh, now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines, Katie, please. Oh, I have so many. Um, okay. Um, I, I believe I quoted one of them. Oh, okay. So in the beginning, they're also they're testing the like phaser shield for uh, like a, a brig cell or something. Yes. <laughs> and Barbara was like, wait. Did you did you shoot me? Because she shoots uh, a beam at him, and she's like, "It was set to uh, yeah, it was set to stun," <laughs> and it, like she clicks it over because it, apparently it was set to kill. Well, in these two episodes, we see them using phasers for a lot. I actually kind of like that he used the they use the phasers to clean up the graffiti. Yeah, but I also just had a my brain was still not going past like. If you Is fire this a virus? phaser, <laughs> yeah, like if you fire a phaser in a starship, <laughs> it's going to set off an alarm. But I also was like, I am aware that animation, they couldn't, they can't just draw and create new assets for every right. device that they could use. Um so maybe they just thought the phaser is an elegant so catch-all solution for what we're trying to get across, which whatever. Yeah, so it's I their iPad. Yeah, it's yeah. their iPhone. Yeah. It, yeah. 
Um, here's one I, I already said, but it is what is this? What am I, Kirk? What is this? The 2260s uh, when they get captured. Um, <laughs> Ransom, when he starts to fight Vindor. Come on, big guy. I only need my hands for this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when he starts making all the like Star Trek parts of that sequence, you know, like Kirk hands or whatever. Right. I didn't like that, but that line I loved because I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. That's all you need. That's perfect. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you know what that means. And I yeah. thought that was enough, but no, they had to keep going. Oh, absolutely. No. Um, and then the very last thing when Ransom denies Mariner their sweet moment and she has to get carted off to the brig oh, as she's being dragged away. She says, next time I'm going to let someone kill you and I'll dance in your blood. <laughs> it is uh, so aggressive and out of nowhere, but it was so great. I really think that someone has to be keeping track of which ones in interviews they say uh, Tawny ad lib that, uh, you know, because now it's at the point I already don't know which ones they could be like the Kirk <laughs> it, line. What is this? The 2260s? Like, that seems like. It what could about Kirk? Yeah, exactly. I, I have a good feeling that she probably ad libs quite a bit. Uh, great performance. She knows when to hit the jokes because she's awesome. So yep. Jack Quaid also amazing. Oh, all, is so good all the time. Uh, all right. Here are my lines. Crystals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ransom uh, saying, I am helping. I'm commanding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and he's just like sitting on top of like the things that they're trying to move. Yes. Yes. Giving he's speeches. always standing in that pose. It's his like he's like his his eyes forward uh, spaceman pose. That's always right. Chin after, the, after the Galrakians have uh, taken over the ship, uh, it's coming back from an act out. Uh, one of the Galrakians is on the on the hull of the ship and she's going, hey, 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 let's see how much these Federation wood lovers like our crystal graffiti. <laughs> and I just imagine that's like. I could picture that scene at like UCB, like someone oh, yeah. just doing that to set up a scene and, and it'd be very funny. And um, Rance, let's go back to the Vindor line. I thought you only said Vindor. It's so <laughs> the other guys think I'm strong and dumb, but I'm not. I love to read. That's right. I love to read. I love to read. It's so great. I really want to know what books Vindor is reading. <laughs> if he just like pops up somewhere in some kind of a like galactic library that's with right. just like a set of glasses and that's it, like that's the only reference, I will lose my mind. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, and then Mariner's line uh, going through all of her scars. See this bad boy? Tentacle guy, bunch of arms, stand me with the barnacle blade. Check it yes. out. Megas 3, Nabibia Prime, Scottsdale. That was a mess. I earned everyone in high concept fights just like this one. I like I, I like the meta high concept fights. <laughs> <laughs> and especially that one of them took place in Scottsdale, Arizona, yeah. which does make sense as a former native Arizonan. <laughs> <laughs> good rule of three. That was a good... Uh, Comedy writers out there, I'm sure you all know that. Those who yeah. don't know, but when you're Whoops, doing I lists, have. lists are good. They're lists they're are good. Uh, but you have to deliver like, the attention at the third. That's right. So it's like uh, okay, two things make sense, and then the third. Uh, this is better said on Thirty Rock, I think, when uh, Tracy <laughs> was on Larry King, and he goes, "That's <laughs> Tracy Jordan saying three serious things and then a joke." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they were the best. They really were. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the line must be drawn there. Great art. 
Um, I, I really like that the lower deckers, as she's getting wise to this buffer time, she's like walking lower decks. And uh, the first pair who walk by her, they're, not, they're just not doing anything. One of them scratching his butt as he walked yep. by her. That was awesome. <laughs> to, to just indicate, hey, yes. they're lazy. <laughs> they're really not working. Um, and then I also liked the anxious, uh, the cutaway or the, the scene right after Freeman confronts Boimler in the turbo lift and she's like, what is buffer time? And then we see Boimler and his legs <laughs> bouncing up and down. <laughs> He's just so nervous. And, and He's so Meritor's, <laughs> Meritor's just like, someone ratted us all out. And Boimler's like, ah. <laughs> uh, so great. Anytime uh, any- they, honestly, anytime they animate Boimler as being nervous or power walking um, anywhere or just freaking out. Just Boimler in general is such an art to behold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he when he's doing when he's cleaning it, he's doing some particle, right? And he's oh, just he... doing that little dance as he's doing. He's the only one uh, not flustered by the buffer time removal. Oh, like, <laughs> not at all. I think he even sing. He like hums the next gen tune at some point in a Jeffrey's tube. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and the turbo lift right before Freeman gets it. Turbo lift. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, any uh, art you want to point out? Uh, mostly just Boimler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't think of anything for that. I one. mean, we kind of like we both really liked how Ransom behaves and acts in that fight sequence. When he rips his shirt off, I'm not gonna it's, lie. I was yeah, like, "Those are true. some abs." <laughs> I'm like, this is a cartoon, Katie. What are you, twelve again? Yeah. Uh, and then the last, but right before that, when he and Mariner are arguing in the cell, I actually like the little touch they put with the light beams coming mm. in. They put the dust particles in there. It's like a pretty obvious thing, but it just adds some weight to it. All right, what part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy? Two things. One, obviously, the Boimler effect. Um, <laughs> I don't but, know. So that's a good question because it's like, is it? There's a version where it's like, it's got to be in like an a, ethics class. I don't think it like survives um, in a straight line. It's like there's, you know, at some point the the Library of Alexandria burns or whatever. Like there's a knowledge <laughs> gap. We know in Discovery there's the burn. So like there's a dis. At some point there'll be some sort of cultural issue or data loss or reset, and then this emerges from the ashes of that. Is how it seems like that joke is going off of. Like we don't have all the records from this time period. We sure. do have this. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's what it's like. It is. This survived. That's right. <laughs> um the other thing i (laughs) i put down was um how to properly test a barrier in the brig instead of firing a phaser at it (laughs) right (laughs) i like i mean they do they do it then the next beat where boimler's on the inside and he uses that little prod to check it out i'm like well that that makes sense to me that's i mean it seems like you'd have protective gear so it doesn't shock you and turn your body into a into a pretzel like it does but that you know (laughs) It's animated. Okay, I got it. Uh, That's good. So this is my kind of thesis, I guess. Check your work. I think Mm. Freem, I think they missed the point with the Buffer Time storyline was like, just be yourself and do whatever. You know, that's it came down to this individual thing, this message, which is like very childish, I kind of thought. But it's still right there of like the Buffer Time actually has a good purpose for it's not just about laziness gives you a chance to check your work and like be thorough and collaborate 
And so it's like, it seems like there's actually a very positive aspect that they could have instead done it. And there was a moment in the script that they, they could have jumped off of and they didn't where Freeman says, I'll just do it myself. And she's doing it all by herself. And you know what I mean? Right, like right. we well, individualize and, and our tasks so much. We forget we're doing it as part of this larger effort. But in that, in that way, that is also a very novice managerial style. Mm-hmm. Or I think a lot of this is speaking to kind of a deeper thing that is more relatable, at least in current times of like, there are two different ways that we have to yin and yang this. There's the, the lazy way that includes buffer time. And then there's the strict way where it's like, I, if no one will do it, I will just do it myself. And then nothing gets done. So like, having a beautiful balance between the two helps them become a stronger team, a stronger crew, you know, better at what they do. And these extremes are sort of the pendulum swings that we have to find ourselves. I I wrote something that, what did I write down? Oh, where is it? Uh, Freeman's arc of madness begins in this episode. She can't be an epic captain until she's worked some shit out. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess because we're dealing with only the lower deck crew, we don't really get to see that dealt. You know what I mean? Like in the episode, we don't get to see her reckon with one. that. Yeah. Well, I get that. But I, you know what I mean? Like usually yeah. these episodes are self-contained. So like sure. you could have pointed out, like we had in the first episode, she talks to her husband. You know what I mean? Like right. not that that has to be at the end of every episode, but just something. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that said, this is not like a critique necessarily. It's just, what they teach at Starfleet Academy is probably like the value of taking your time. Yeah. (laughs) Like of pacing yourself, especially on these ships where, you know, as, as magical as they seem, you know, just outside the wall is the cold vacuum of space. So. Very true. (laughs) It's like you should time and be thorough. Um, All (laughs) right. So Trek, marry or kill uh, temporal edict. Uh, I'm, this is a strong trek for me. I, not quite a Mary, um, but it's a strong trek. I, I, I love this episode. I, I think it's very quotable. It's very fun. But like I said before, sort of a lower stakes villain. Um, it, the, the learning or the progression of thought is a little bit more local, a little bit more, I don't know, domestic, I guess, as opposed to bigger concepts, bigger ideas, bigger emotional arcs. So strong Trek for this one. All right. You've heard Katie's pitch for why it should be a Trek. And so it's going to go to a vote because I voted to kill this one. I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to do this to me, man. And shake it the whole time I was watching it multiple times. Uh, I, I really do think that the concept of the buffer time is a good one. I didn't like how it was portrayed. And I think that I think it didn't work for all the reasons I've been lamenting. And mm-hmm. I thought the planet stuff actually worked pretty well, but because it connects with that other storyline in a way that just feels, it just felt like um, there are elements where it's like, these feel like South Park characters. Sometimes it just feels very like it was too immature. And you just, you can sit there and watch it and know if there was any other mature voice amongst the crew the characters that none of this would happen and so the idea that you have to sell out all of that for jokes or to create conflict that to me is i'm not gonna say lazy writing but it's basically like you're you're narrowing the scope of what things can be you're not challenging yourself to write better stories so and we try to like measure these against all the star trek episodes that are out there and look 
you like it and it's a very strong trek and the whole point is we love star trek so a kill is not like sometimes i mean it should have never been made but this is not one of those times it's also the third episode (laughs) so a show figuring itself out i think is important all that said like we're gonna put it to vote we're gonna leave the vote up for a month uh so listeners can decide sounds good Katie, do you remember the first time you watched Moist Vessel? I vaguely remember the first time I watched this. Um, I, this was, I'm not going to lie to you. This was not my most favorite, except for a couple of very specific parts. (laughs) So every time I see this one uh, come back on, I'm always like, oh yeah, this one. This one I... Did not remember watching. That's just, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the it main thing. Had, I didn't remember watching it. <laughs> you know, I, I have, I remember watching this one a couple times um, because we went through the first season a couple times. And every time this one came on, I scrolled on my phone. I, yeah, I wasn't huge on this one. <laughs> this might not have been an episode I stayed up late to watch. So that might've started the, the whole thing. And then when I went back to, catch up i probably was like did i watch that one and i didn't do it so i've watched it a couple times ahead of this one um this episode has a lot of improv and show artist friend jokes (laughs) in it yeah (laughs) which which is funny because your your improv and comedy i did some of that when i was in la i have a lot of the first cluster of people i met in la that they all did that stuff and and so it's like these are all like pretty obvious jokes that writers would make that we can relate to but um in the star trek context it's fine it it works but uh did any of them hit any or particularly close to home Uh, any of the jokes um i have to say it man i know it's too early but the koala the freaking koala man it's the first time we see the koala at the top of the episode i know i know i was like i I didn't know if we were like front loading this with other stuff rip it off yes dude okay so this is like this is where we become star trek we actually have some lore that they're putting into the entire universe maybe just sort of the universe in which they are residing in but they have something with a koala and this is the first mention of it when we've got a guy who's trying to ascend the entire time and he's you know like blaming tendy for ruining everything and then we come to find out that no he was just not sure how to ascend and was being a dick about it and then didn't ascend but then yeah anyway so he's ascending and he's starting to realize what being incorporated to the entire universe is like and he just goes through the most Rick and Morty monologue I've ever heard in my life of what he's seeing, experiencing, going through. And then he's like, the entire universe rests on the back of a koala. And that's the first time you're like, wait, what? And then like you see a koala with its eyes light up. This is rampant. This comes back so many times, so much that it is a part of the opening credits. There are cloud cloud shapes in the beginning of like that star trek swoopy that has the koala in the clouds like the koala is about here folks and i i'm I'm so fascinated by this this was the first time um they mention it towards the end of the episode when the dude is ascending and i have been questioning what the meaning of the koala is how far we've gotten with the koala is the koala evil um anyway 
I can, I'm very excited about the qual. <laughs> we can talk about more. I mean, it's Star Trek jumping directly into religion or metaphysics or yeah. planting a flag in this territory to say that this is a thing that exists and it has some sort of answer for the universe, right. um, which Star Trek usually doesn't do. It usually tries to say that we're going to discover new things and ask more questions and learn as we go. And this is kind of establishing an endpoint for existence, mm-hmm. which is what's weird. But all, all that said, if that sounds like a negative, sorry, but like the positive oh. was this whole Ascension aspect to it because what a great fucking idea to yeah. couch it in a way that's like it's tossed off like this is just something that's happening with one of the crew members right. his hobby is trying to ascend <laughs> like what's like a central focus of so many episodes of cr- across all the shows is just like this side thing happening to a non-important person on the ship and it's that we've thing. never met that we've we never meet again we don't know about we have no clue who it, what his backstory it's literally like going to a boimler violin concert yes <laughs> and i <laughs> and like then, that they didn't like sit, he they avoided what you would have expect what i would have expected through three or four episodes of like him tying it specifically back to an episode rutherford does he makes that comment like like a cue or uh the traveler which was a cute little Mm -hmm. joke but like he's an ensign who he's not gonna know that stuff that's just for star trek fans but like i like that the ascension (laughs) guy did not get into the lore of star trek history to explain Mm. what he was doing and it's just and, she explained what an ascension broadly was. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it wor- really worked. It was a nice marriage of of what the show the show is about and uh, their love of Star Trek, but also comedy. So the right. koala, I, though, I think they just like the way it looks. I, I have no doubt it was like, <laughs> I don't friggin know. A koala is is that's where the universe, re- you know, like, I don't know what it was, but I love that they keep bringing it back. And I'm like so fascinated by the lore of the koala. Um, but do you know who the Ascension guy was played by? No. Haley Joel Osment, who is what? <laughs> yes, because Haley Joel Osment has been a huge part of sort of the comedy scene lately. He's been in Silicon Valley. He's been in um, like a lot of the like really funny sort of HBO type shows or streaming shows. He's been popping up a lot of different places and a lot of different comedies and he's killing it right now. <laughs> he looked vaguely like the guy in the, the character design evoked. I think it's metamorphosis, the penultimate episode of season three of next generation where uh-huh. a guy goes through a transformation like this, where he yeah. turns into pure energy, similar right. hairstyle and all that stuff. So that's definitely what they were evoking, but I like that they didn't like just strictly mention it. Um, Haley yeah. Joel Osment though. So they're like, Oh, let's get the guy who, when he was a kid said he saw dead people, <laughs> yes. let's get him to see the edge of re- existence. Yeah. Existence in just, reality. <laughs> yeah. I, I put this in the, in the great lines, but like, as he's transforming, he goes, ah, I see Abraham Lincoln. The universe is balanced on the back of a giant koala. Why is he smiling? What does he know? <laughs> and another great line, like very quotable line from that is, I can see everything. I'm turning into pure energy. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> well, it was a good Star Trek moment, though, because it was it has that tinge of horror or like the unknown. Yeah. You don't know what's happening. I think the it's Rick and terrifying. Morty version, it's more disgusting. And and like grotesque, 
I feel like they did a similar Rick and Morty. I've only seen so much Rick and Morty because I could only take so much burping in the first season. Um, but then it like it got really cool and sci-fi and fun. But it, it it's the most yelling, crazy, batshit circumstances that they're throwing. It, that almost felt like maybe that was improvised. And that feels like one of those things that like, hey, just go off on this. Um what is the universe balance universe balanced on you know like what what do you know what do you not know what are you experiencing i don't know are Um, you suggesting that Haley joel osmond is responsible for this runner i am putting it out there as i don't know anyone and i haven't talked to Haley in a long time or ever um (laughs) so it our one-sided friendship, yes. <laughs> yes, our one-sided friendship has not been acknowledged yet. He has not accepted my friend request. <laughs> Moist Vessel premiered on Paramount Plus August 27, 2020, written by Anne Kim, directed by Barry J. Kelly. Uh, Memory Alpha describes it. Captain Freeman seeks the ultimate payback after Mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew. A well-meaning Tendi accidentally messes up a lieutenant's attempt at a spiritual ascension and tries to make it right. We didn't, we didn't even touch on the other storyline, right. which uh, I guess we will in a second. <laughs> yeah, let's, well, first we have, we also get in this episode that they're trying to get Mariner to either resign or commission or request to transfer off the ship. So mm-hmm. that make her think it's her idea to do this. Not that it's being forced on her by her mom, Captain right. Freeman. And so they give her the three worst jobs on the ship, turbo lift mm-hmm. lubing, holodeck waste removal, and carbon filter carbon maintenance. Filter. Um, holodeck waste removal is exactly as gross as you would have expected going, hey, they're making a show about lower decks and they're going to be cleaning up all the grime on the ship. Probably going to mm-hmm. ki- clean out the cum filters on the holodeck. And that they or they call it jizz filters. I'm sure that's what the edit was. But um, <laughs> they bleeped it out. That, that was no, one of the bleeps. I'm, I'm sure it's jizz. Jizz is funnier. <laughs> it is. It, it's a... I mean... Consonants are funny, so <laughs> so cum has like like one hard, one soft consonant, and then jizz has like three hard consonants. So yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> I love that I'm <laughs> no, I, that, that I was the comedy of that. Down. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to parse the lip the lip uh, modeling there to see if the, it gave it away at all because sometimes the tongue will move or whatever. That's and true. It looked more like jizz than than it looked like cum. Uh, I'm, so, so. I'm so glad that you you put that much time and attention into seeing. If I'm gonna kill an episode or marry an episode, I need to give it my full <laughs> attention. That's my promise to everyone. I watch these intently. Uh, I try to watch it as though I'm sitting in the like in the in the editorial bay, us. trying to understand what what's happening here. So let's rank these. Is there any dispute that the worst job is cleaning the jizz filters? Because it's oh, not it just jizz. To it's going to be all waste. It, it's all sorts of things that I don't want to know, touch, yeah. or I just assume that that would be automated by now. <laughs> so that's the other thing. Like, it's really funny to watch Star Trek Discovery because they're like drones, little drones, cute little drones that we can maybe sell as toys or something. And then you've got lower decks and they don't even explore that option. <laughs> <laughs> little little wallies, little jizzies going around pulling the little nope. cartridges out. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so then that leaves carbon filter maintenance and turbo lift lubing. So, I mean, 
I would say probably only because of how it works out in the episode where Mariner makes it a game, but I feel like the carbon um, filter would be more fun because she made a game of it. So um, then that's that's the third to that's the second to second last to first last. job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can have the, a little bit of fun of that. And the turbo lift one, it's danger. I guess it's danger, but that also seems kind of fun. So maybe because it, it's lonely. Yeah. Like like the holodeck one is lonely and gross. Right. And the turbo lift one is just lonely. Just lonely and yeah. potentially scary, which can be exciting. Yes. It's true. Depending, depending on who you are. Yeah, Although Mariner, who's a, a thrill seeker, did not look thrilled. Did not look thrilled. Only because it was like marked off and then checks just like tore through the like, oh, this is no longer in use sign. All right. I guess we are starting at Brian's complaint corner because I oh, mentioned this last month. <laughs> I mentioned this last month and here it is again. I don't like that there's like casts or that it, they hit it so hard that even the crew, you know, in polite society, you don't you don't acknowledge that there's casts, that there's right. tears. You just right. behave there's... a certain way. Uh, and Shax kind of does that, but I think the fact that there's a sign on the turbolift that says Ensign at work, and he just knocks <laughs> it. Like, they're just selling out everything, the reality, the, like, logic of what's going on for the joke. And it's like, that's where... Oh, grinds my gears. But beyond well, that... And I think, I think that's where we get the Rick and Morty style writing, where it's like, okay... this is almost like this is where we say okay this is a bit more cartoony this is not quite star trek proper this is sort of how we write rick and morty this is how like these are the silly little it's funny it's funny don't think about it it's funny my my point is like if you're gonna do it it better be funny and yeah. I didn't think it was that funny. I didn't think so either because I was like, oh, that's annoying. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I will say that there was He's the a security bit... officer. You'd think he'd obey signs more than any I mean, of the other senior officers. That That's a similar <laughs> issue that I had with the beginning of this episode. The opener, the cold open is Mariner yawning during jesus a, what, christ I, oh my I was, god and i so every time i see this episode this is why i kind of tune out because i'm like i just even though mariner is a thrill seeker and kind of goes against the grain tries to do all sorts of crazy things even though that she is that person i still don't think she would have the disrespect to openly yawn while people are talking in like a captain's den type of thing like I, that that didn't make sense to me and no. it, that felt like the most rick and morty like opening thing where just, maybe there's a version of the show where you just imagine that our core lower deckers are all like wesley crushers and they're all like right. 12 years old 12 year old prodigies and right. so they're like not only figuring out how to be like ensigns but like how to be human beings right. um and and it's maybe that makes more sense because they act like stupidly childish like just ridiculous like obnoxious mm-hmm. teenagers is really the kind of their their default but i didn't like like the the senior staff eats better food different food <laughs> than the rest of the crew i mean hey at least they don't have hot banana coming out of their replicators all the time <laughs> if only if only <laughs> uh but anyway that all that said like let, let's get in the great moments because i think what you were saying in the beginning with the yawning there's a moment that precedes that that I think was wonderful. It's mm-hmm. like easily my favorite moment of the show to this point. It's the setup for the mission. So it's not a strict, it's not a second contact mission. So that's an interesting wrinkle. They figured mm-hmm. out we could do other things. And that's this case, it's two ships 
are going to to uh, tow a generation ship that's been discovered and unfortunately didn't make it to its destination. And now all the people on board are like mummies. Basically they died on their way, but there's a technology in there that turns inorganic matter into matter. And so it's basically a terraforming uh, device or goo basically. And the way it's was in that Picard episode, also the, the generation mix or whatever. I think that was also in that same episode we were talking about earlier. Oh, that ship wound up being in there. Oh, that's funny. No, I didn't realize. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that ship. I think it was the the pot, the thing that makes like that terraforms a world. Oh wow! Oh, the like Genesis that's... device from Star Trek yes. Two is in there. Yes, that's not yeah. the same thing. There's a different, but like. Oh okay, got uh, it. I would just really like. First of all, they did the secret hideout. Does not like to do captain's logs. They like they don't. They're trying to break it. Like we're not Star Trek. We're a sure. mini movie every week. So they really try to like dance around and uh, Michael Burnham will do logs or entries, but they're more like journal entries. They're not like about the mission. Right. They're like some highfalutin theme. But so it's this, not even like a formal talk. It's just yeah, sort of but like, like today I they, was sad. Yeah. Or like uh, Cadet Uhura's log. Like I feel this way and I'm doing this and, you know, yeah, it's about an individual. Yeah. But a captain's log is a good way to set the plot. This one's wonderful. First of all, they figured out, just cut out the part where she says captain's log. Just have it start with star date and she's talking. So now mm-hmm. you're not annoying Alex Kurtzman, I guess, who hates hearing captain's log. <laughs> um, and you're getting your... <laughs> but then her entire thing that sets up what the mission is then leads into that briefing and we see that she's actually giving a presentation and then Mariner yawns. See, that's how much they want to get away from Captain's Log. It bleeds into, it re-reveal it's actually her briefing instead of a log. And and then, and then Mariner yawns. But I thought it was an amazing idea that they have, that their job is just to tow this ship and the ship has like such a big... There's such a big thing. Starfleet can't wait to get its hands on it, right? To right. study it. So right. it felt like a very Starfleet mission and like a really grunt job where we need these tow ships. These like right. more powerful than a tug, but you know, it's still <laughs> not that important. And then it obviously becomes sets up what the what the episode, uh, the jeopardy of the episode. So I really like that first part. But then right when she starts yawning, I'm like, okay, now we're in silly yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, then, and that and that bugged me. And so, two two moments saved this episode for me. One, obviously, the koala that will continually save this episode for me. But the other thing is sort of the plot twist in this that really got me because I thought with the setup of her yawning and then being given all these shitty jobs that we were just going to do that note the entire time. And I was like, I just, I I'm exhausted already by this entirely like very childish behavior, but I love the plot twist that Freeman has instead of trying to get rid of her promotes her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that is the most genius thing to do for someone who believes that they're a know-it-all and uh, you know, has a little bit too much attention from all the lower deckers. Like, okay, let's put you in a position that you actually probably should be in that your friends aren't kind of upgraded to as well. And then bore the hell out of you with all the meetings and the pointless things and the, the card game, (laughs) which card game (laughs) card game was so great because it's like, that's like the thing that they do on next gen. And it's so great that they, you know, they're playing poker or whatever, but my favorite part, and this is, this is with my greatest lines, but 
Look out, Mariner. This game's about to get interesting. I fold. <laughs> and they all fold. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he does that, too, like, the, the sucking of a spit. He's like... Yeah. <laughs> fold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I like them going to the one-person show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, United another, Federation another of Characters. Yeah, oh my god, that's right. That's <laughs> oh, right. sorry, I didn't see you beam in there. Um, <laughs> that was my question. Was do you have you seen? Um, or I was going to say, what's the best one person show that you've seen? And I wasn't going to ask Ooh. you to say what the worst one was. Best, the best one I've seen was Lily Tomlin. Um, my aunt took me to see her in San Francisco when I was That's younger. That's not fair. She's like, I know. <laughs> I know. She's like the queen of freaking one woman shows. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was absolutely the best. What was the best for you? <laughs> I have a best one that I've seen, but now I'm totally blanking on her name and it's going to take me too long to figure it out. I'll, re- I'll rephrase this. Uh, a good comedian did a show she was in the renaissance fair for many years and she did a one woman show based around that and it was really funny and it was like less her doing characters like she would do bits in it and more like just her giving like just talking to the audience not like totally improvised it was it was pretty strictly written but i have definitely seen the ones where it's like an old lady and she comes out and she does impressions of everyone from her neighborhood in brooklyn growing up i've definitely seen those before and um yeah i did see um fred armison i saw his one man show oh he had a one man show oh he did it ended up becoming his like stand-up but yeah oh now you asked me if i i i never pull all-nighters well the thing is i've pulled so many all-nighters in my life and especially in the last couple years that my my memory is now foggy like (laughs) like i can only tell you like some of the funniest comedy shows i've seen were ass cats at ucb oh, and i used to have brilliant. very specific details to to explain uh like gil Ozeri, if you've ever seen oh, him oh i love gil Ozeri. Oh, he's one of the and shit <laughs> you would recognize him from um any like basic comedy that came out after broad city uh <laughs> well i was well, right and you'd recognize him in things but what was yeah. funny for me was like seeing him and then being like finding out what shows he's writing on next and it would when it came time for happy endings i'm like well mm. that show's gonna be hilarious and sure enough it, it is so yeah um yeah definitely uh, it's just so funny it's like they <laughs> this show has has got to have some writers who have been in those programs and those worlds. So it's funny to see them oh, yeah. come over and kind of lend it in there. But um, uh, United Federation of Characters, that's, that's, that's such cute. a great one. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, dragging Mariner through all this stuff that command level people do and how boring it is. And they're arguing about the chairs and all that stuff like that. That was good. I like that. Um, I, I really liked every part of the Ascension storyline. Even Tendi just sort of like careening around like that. That also, but it just felt so like there were so many overtly she, character moments that I was like, really? I don't. She know. started so excited. She's like, I'm going to go to Ascension today. I don't even know what it's going to be like. It's going to be like, ooh, ooh. she's making all those noises. And oh. she's just super high strung. And then she gets in there and she's awkward and doesn't know what to do. And then she gets up and causes this, you know, she disrupts the whole thing. And. I, right. By that point, I'm watching it going like, I have to accept that this is partly a cartoon. <laughs> so, yes. so, so yeah. but the 
the well, the it, real world version is she goes and she screws it up in some way. But like this was just like an over. I loved her this, replicating the sand. <laughs> trying yeah, to think yeah, trying to, and it's like it's fine it's okay it's fine it's gonna be fine no this is what a prime example that i feel like is older situational comedy where you like the character does something bad and keeps doing it badly and you're just like you're cringing for them and it feels like you just go too far with that prime example is ross and friends in the episode where he has leather pants and he just keeps making it worse and worse and it, i like that's the kind of situational comedy that i'm like you've broken my trust at this point like this character wouldn't go that far come on are you kidding me and like without that's major consequences <laughs> no no it's just like it's just moments like that where like i'm like okay that is an older style of writing that's a hundred percent a plot joke that would be in situational comedies in the 90s or early 2000s i think we've shifted away from that and kind of gotten into a little bit more relatable realism without having to go so far and that's one of the things that I think Rick and Morty sometimes struggles with is that they go really far and it goes into not just an annoying character, but like an annoying trope. And that was one of the ones that I was just like, that's that's really klutzy. I don't what know. was relatable about a guy ascending? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the more like trying to put on airs of like being a like. Honestly, was, yes, as, as an actor in LA, sure. you know, yeah. like that was grounded. Like, I mean, it's Haley Joel Osment, so of course it was grounded. But like, um, as being an actor in LA and seeing so many people trying to be like, oh, but if people would just know I'm famous, I, I could be famous. You know, like you, there are people like that, and then something goes viral, and then they're famous for the wrong reasons. You know, that felt very much like the Ascension stuff. Like that felt very relatable. <laughs> the dish or the symbol or whatever going through the sand and her falling comically and all that stuff. I mean that you're right. It is sitcom level, but it, in the very same episode we have Shaq's just tossing a stupid sign away to make right. the turn. Like it's like this right. episode, it's like we're in sitcom season with that one, but no, for I think sure. I just liked her excitement and I liked the idea just like I liked the terraforming ship, the generation ship. I love both of these concepts one for like this is a you could do it in any episode of Star Trek, the the generation ship, and then a very lower deck specific one of like, what if what if your neighbor just wanted to ascend one day? You know what I mean? Like that right, was a right. cool idea to me. I I thought it worked. And it paid off with the koala, obviously. But like obviously. this whole thing where Tendy's revealing, like, I just want people to like me. I think that's maybe another thing where uh, I think we evolved that seems like a very young person thing. Right. Uh, you and, I, and, you know, they are supposed to be like a young 20s type of thing. So I kind of or get, or pro just, prodigy 12 year olds. Right. I want to right. put that out there. We right. I'll be 12. Yeah. Everybody can watch the show no matter the age range, <laughs> because maybe you'll get something out of it. Um, yeah. I think because I just me as a person, I would hope have matured far beyond that very juvenile need. So like that kind of plot as a device like just doesn't interest me so yeah also admitting it like, I it's, mean, it's one thing to harbor it but like to I, admit it to the person that you're badgering basically right <laughs> it's like a lovely like bow tie moment where it feels like a, the end of a full house episode where everybody gets to say their piece and everybody understands and everybody agrees and what a nice time. <laughs> <laughs>
And because uh, I really do think that the koala bit is as much as I'm I'm whatever on the koala's meaning for Star Trek and all that stuff. Like, I really thought what a cool moment. That's a very Star Trek moment to like witness this thing happen to someone that's beyond your understanding. Like it felt like a very pure in-universe moment. And uh, yeah. and and the fact that he was pushing against it ultimately actually was pretty funny. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was good comedy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is that L.A. thing of like people can mm-hmm. push for what they want, get exactly what they want, and they're totally miserable, which yeah. is not unique to Hollywood, but it was just. Um... It's All relatable. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Best Trek tropes already mentioned for me, the captain's log in this case, the whole setup. I thought that was great. I mean, captain's logs can usually be a best Trek trope. Sometimes they're not. I thought this was a good one. The, the holodeck, like mentioning the holodeck jizz Just filter <laughs> filter. I mean, it's not Star Trek lore, but it's like, we've all talked about it. Like we've all been like, no, that, oh, that's, that's what that's used for. Yep. That's wonderful fan trope. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a fan trope that we're like, yeah. Like those of us who have watched enough, we're like, yeah, that would and, happen. <laughs> and Captain Freeman's follow-up moment. She's like, that's what they use it for. He's like, yeah, mostly yeah, in the yeah, next yeah. scene. That's, that's wonderful. I, that is a, an elegant. That was one of my lines. <laughs> oh, I'm, but it's like, that's like an yeah. elegant, perfect way, at least for me of like, all right, you're doing a Star Trek homage, but you're also trying to like tell stories like that's straddles the line. It's a lot of those moments that one. And then I thought the Ascension itself was a great Trek trope. I think we already, we've already mentioned a lot of this up front, but uh, worse Trek tropes. Um, just, uh, just the catalyst that of Tendi going into the situation and also Mariner, the, these kind of moments, like Mariner yawning and just showing how disrespectful I just, I couldn't buy it. All um, three of the beats, uh, beats because Durango, yeah. the, the captain, he just decides why his ego is like move the ship and that causes the, the goo to get on board and cause the catastrophe. It just right. happens. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the strongest. <laughs> now it's uh, I didn't actually put down any worst trick trips, so I'll just join you on on that one. Where it's a sitcom incident, I think is probably. I'm trying yeah. to think of like other Star Trek episodes where that's happened, but something has to happen, and it happens in a very ham-handed way. Yeah, and I I like it when they get a little bit more creative. So that's why I like some of my more favorite moments of the episode. You did like the twist, though. I did. That's what I'm saying is that like the Freeman twist, I thought that was a that was a good social solve. Like every episode of Star Trek has some kind of interesting question or puzzle to solve. And that was sort of the social movement solve of the crew. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. I think I already stepped on one of yours, but say it again. No, 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 you're fine. Um, people, people really use it for that. Oh yeah, it's mostly that <laughs> while playing the holodeck. Um, beautiful way of just uh, not even it having to show that, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't hit it so hard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a good voice performance. It's just like a beat, and it's it's good. It's really good. Uh, and um, it, it supports my theory that again, holodecks 
mainly are for starships and deep space travel. So because Freeman's <laughs> not like totally familiar with it. Right. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, this isn't necessarily a quote, but um, the name of the other ship is the Merced. <laughs> like oh, we yes. were talking about last California month, class. Yes. The California <laughs> class. Merced. Such a hilarious shout out. Um, when, uh, when they're really Mariner sticking away from some of the bigger, the bigger ones, <laughs> the bigger right. names, <laughs> they really are. And I love that about it. The USS um, Lodi is coming up next. Yeah. It, it feels like the Californian sketch from SNL, but like going like a step <laughs> further on that joke and that bit. Um, that speech, uh, those sketches, I'm like, I understand every reference. I understand you know, and every <laughs> single reference. And it's, it's still such, funny. <laughs> it's such a like local jokes, you know, yeah, like local work or whatever. But at the same time, the beef between New York and LA is so hilarious to me because LA doesn't really have a beef with New York, but New York is just like, oh, LA, which is talking about their roads and their streets and their cities and things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could go into a whole thing about. Yeah, exactly. The L or New York just thinks of California as like a foreign country. Yeah, pretty or much like the whole the little state. brother. They're like, yeah. ew, gross. Yes. <laughs> and then you get out to L.A. and it's like, especially people in the industry, like they're from New York and from Boston. They're not uh -huh. even from here. So then it's a weird. Nope. Uh, I don't I don't get it. It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it's exhausting um <laughs> the other quote that i had was from boimler when he finds out that mariner got promoted and he's just screaming in the most high-pitched voice lieutenant <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh that reminds me okay a great moment i had because we're not doing great scenes we're doing great moments is when he decides oh i get it you have to be bad and then they'll want you <laughs> Is he so and the the timing of it, here's your cat here's your coffee sir whoa and he spills it right, right on, on ransom's crash. lap right as the uh the as the crisis is peaking that was yeah wonderful that was, that was also sitcomy that boimler's whole reaction is a sitcom right i mean <laughs> He can stay in that genre. Everybody else shouldn't follow. <laughs> I just love the uh, sitcom level timing of here's your coffee. Sir. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. Um, and then the, I, the last one is the one I already said, but it's the I can see everything. I'm turning into pure energy. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> Oh, why is he is smiling what like does it, he know is yes. is pretty it's haunting it's there's something really scary about it so. it is very it's very scary and that's why i want to know more lore like there should be a book written about the koala um but this is also the episode where you get sensors <laughs> okay so you hated the yawning scene and i, I did too and i wanted to really hate this because it's basically bookending it yeah but I, I'm okay. I kind of like it. I loved this one. No, it's so funny because the opener, I hated this last one killed me. I thought it was so funny because yeah, at certain points in next gen, they would just say censors and you're like, why are you saying it like that? You're trying to be Spock Patrick said Stewart. That. <laughs> or Spock would say that, say it that way too. So. Oh, he it, did. Oh okay. yeah. So sometimes, so it's like <laughs> very mid Atlantic in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so, and I love the check. He's like censors. No, I'm saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the fact that freeman very clearly the voice acting she goes out of her way to say sense ors like how it's written in the script um like sense ors <laughs> like that's how they wrote it and uh -huh. she said that uh yeah was, but i mean 
I think it's just one of those things where what, you know, Mariner took it into a cartoon mode in her pointing it out. You know what I mean? Like, right. but it's like, they're still funny. Cause if the gambit was, this is how I can get demoted. Like, that's good. I, I think that works, but yeah, right. that was funny. Now it's time for the line must be drawn there. Great art. I honestly love the part when Boimler walks into Mariner's room and it's like, you get your own room. <laughs> isn't she like, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah. Isn't that great? Like she's got her own like huge, like at least King size. Bed. So nice. <laughs> her so corners nice. are nice. Jeez. Yeah. Nicer than what they had on Voyager. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nicer what they get at like the last couple seasons. Yeah. Um, I had the way that they draw the sarcastic Vulcan salute. Yes. Both times they do it. When uh, when Mariner's backing out of the ready room, she's like, uh, live long and prosper. And, she's, <laughs> and Freeman's like, don't do that. But it was it was funnier when Boimler does it because he's finally gotten one over on yes. Mariner, who's got the shit jobs. And she's like, nope, don't do that. It's not cool when you do it. And then he ends with the Vogue pose with it yes. as the doors are shutting. <laughs> she's like, oh, that is cool. Yeah. Uh, that was, was good animation there. I liked it. Uh, what part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I put the chemistry of the. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely an engineering course where uh-huh. they're like going through all the parts and they're. It's like that day, the first day of sex ed or something, or like right. your biology class when it gets to something sex based and everyone gets weird. That the definitely is going to be like an engineer there. Like when right. O'Brien was an instructor at the academy, he's like, Yeah, the jizz, the jizz filters. <laughs> Gotta worry Make about Make sure those. you get a lot yeah. of buffer time on <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I think they teach the chemistry of this terraforming goo that they've mm, discovered. Yeah. It seems like a pretty mm-hmm. big discovery. Yeah, um, I, I always forget that that's part of it. Um, and then, and then the the other part when, like the one other part that saved this episode for me was when they they save everybody from the Merced. Yeah, by by being naming them over, I thought that was like a really great moment and also beautifully done. Yeah, and and Freeman and and um, Mariner are working together to do this, and th- because it's animation not a cartoon it's animation they're able to chain they're able to like scale a, a cliff you know the uh to get to move around the ship because the ship's been transformed into like a cave or a planet and it's just cool that they could do that because they can draw it and that's that's affordable yeah <laughs> and, and it looked to me it was a cool idea uh all right well then that leads us into trek marry or kill i was so surprised <sighs> i'm so surprised where you're netting out on this it sounds like i yeah okay so i like when i rewatched this i was like oh my god do i kill this i can't believe i would kill one of these episodes <laughs> but then i remembered the koala and i was like well i can't do that uh so i was like this is a very soft trek on some very uneven ground um <laughs> we have two we have two go to votes because I wanted to marry this one. Wow. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? This I, I'm shocked by this. I thought the koala stuff yes. was great as the payoff to that storyline. Yes. As you pointed out, the twist in the Mariner storyline was really good. And so we get the jizz joke, but we also get the boring next generation fuddy duddy joke. There's (laughs) an emotional tension that pays off. It's bookended by two garbage bits of the yawning (laughs) 
and her being the censor thing. You'll know the, you the, love the second one. <laughs> I love the yeah. Even though I'm like the sen- pointing it out, just that part of it, it goes too far. But just pointing it out was funny, especially yeah. since her goal was to get demoted. That all makes sense. Uh, but then. I love the concepts. Like I said, I love the terraforming ship and their job is just to tow it. And then something Mm -hmm. goes wrong. That's great. Their job isn't right. Their job isn't to study it or figure out what happened. It's just get it from point A to point B. And then I really, the Ascension storyline was just, again, wow, this is perfect for this show. But I, I don't know. I, the jokes I thought I laughed at pretty much most of them. I am a big believer that comedy is a volume business Mm -hmm. that it is about, Conan O'Brien said, it's just throwing spaghetti at the wall. It really seeing is. what sticks. And so, yeah, we didn't like the the yawning. We didn't like, you know, like some of the more sitcom bits. But even in that scene where Tendi ruins the Ascension ceremony, what great animation. What cool yes. lighting. The colors, like the all sand the was even the pretty action. cool. The, yeah, the sand was cool. So it's like I had something nice to look at while this ridiculous thing was going to happen. <laughs> There are certain things you can't do in animation that you can do in live action. And one of those things might, she could have done something more subtle that was just as disruptive. But again, they really had to like hit it hard. Like she really ruined the ceremony. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and so, and they, so that's, that's why I was okay with it. I was able to go with it. Um, So, Hey, we disagree. That's great. I'm so surprised. I thought for sure because of the koala, you were going to be like, got to bury it, the koala. (laughs) I mean, I, I, it's like, I want to, but then like, I'm like, there's so much more to the koala in so many different episodes and like so many things pop out and it's so exciting. This is the genesis of it. But like, I don't know, man, this episode, I was like, I just, I'm suspending a lot of disbelief in some of these like premises where I'm like, I know they have better stuff in them because I've seen all of this you know all of the episodes so like there's so much more that i'm like i loved and i think i loved it and would marry it the moment it came out because i laughed hysterically all that but every time i come back to this episode i'm just like ah i might skip it (laughs) that's so funny i mean that's (laughs) i mean that's great i actually like that i thought for sure that because i think i've mentioned this in one of our last episodes, like I've had to mute the hashtag. And I just assume that whenever I get anywhere near just talking about lower decks, my experience up to basically talking to you about it has been, it's amazing. I love it all. Everything about it's perfect. <laughs> and, and so I just assume you were going to be I, like, marry all of these. And that hasn't been the case, obviously, but um, no, yeah, I like it. I've I've been I've been very discerning about these because I, I like want to have like an actual opinion because I do love this show. And every time it comes out, I'm just like I'm so shocked and like wonderfully surprised each time in each season how great they do different storylines and how far they push the envelope. And going back, I'm like, oh, yeah, like they they were kind of softballing it in the beginning. I think I'm like completely i think what's happening is i'm almost completely ignoring the mariner storyline which is stupid (laughs) because i'm like so in awe that they thought to do they thought to take their own concept and apply it to the mission like i said yeah and it's just like to me it's like okay i've now re-watching this and i've watched some too i'm like this seems like a really for once i'm not feeling like it's a cartoon plot and uh and an animation plot even though 
within that there's cartoon elements for sure like the yawning is 100 percent. yeah i mean but that's but that's the thing because i'm like they have such great plot and emotional arcs to begin with that they're already starting especially in this episode they're really starting to explore some really cool things and especially the relationship between captain freeman and mariner and like what that all looks like but it's just padded with some first season trophy type stuff <laughs> and we talked about that yeah sometimes first yeah. season uh rough and tumble sometimes you're figuring things out but like again the subtlety that you can do in live action that you can't do in animation the live action version if you were to like try to shoot these as live action oh, she's fall- she's do- she's dozing off in the conference thing and then mm-hmm. you know because of that she's shifting her in her chair or something like that you can make that scene funny in some other way but they have less time and it is animated. And so they, and like you said, they are influenced by like Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites. And it's like, let's just get in. And Mike McBann's like an animation writer, first and foremost. He's like, let's just convey the point of the scene and, and get out of here. So, right. and that as a result, they sometimes sacrifice the reality, the Star Trek brand, the universe they're in, and the integrity of their characters. Because it's strange credulity that they'd put up with any of this, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what I was saying about the last d- episode. But the last so- <laughs> episode, but I didn't agree. <laughs> I know. It's just say. So we have we actually have the same issues, but sometimes it just it hits flips. us in different ways. Yeah. yeah. It hits different. There we go. It hits um, different. Uh, is there anything for the month of February besides the Academy Awards that you want <laughs> your fans and interested parties to be aware of? Anything we want to plug? Um, I, I just want to plug love for everyone. Uh, you know, it's out there. You can make that February 14th plan and just, if nothing else, take yourself out on a date. Um, but you can usually find me at the pack theater. Uh, I am with the team, nothing burger. Um, you can always find me online at, at El sassy pants. Um, or you can follow my podcast, which is called napping through happy hour. I do it with my good friend, Marie, and we just talk real life, real drama all in real time. <laughs> that sounds real fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be doing a couple of, um, Valentine's themed episodes to continue our two-hander theme. And then uh, next month, I think we're going to have you back, Katie. I would like to have you back. We're going to keep spotlighting Lower Decks. So until next week and next month, TMK out.